one. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Manana Nomas podcast. Uh, today, I'm excited. I'm bringing a new guest to you guys, someone that I've met over the last year. Turns out we have a similar interest with, with traveling, traveling on the road and, and, and doing the RV thing. I call it van life. He's a full-time RVer. Uh, folks, no further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Ron Gordon. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Can't wait to get started. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is kind of you know, it's so nice hosting a podcast because I don't have all the pressure, right? I basically just open up the, the communication, open up the channel and let you talk about the projects you're working on, maybe an origin story about how you got started. And a lot of the folks we listen that, that listen to us are entrepreneurs, business starters, or lately we've been having a lot of folks that never wanted to run their own business. I'm running into a lot of folks in our audience that because of circumstances over the last couple of years, they're finding themselves saying, oh, crud, I got to figure this out on my own. And I think mm -hmm. that that's, that's really, really interesting. You know, for years, entrepreneurs were focused on people that always wanted to be entrepreneurs, that always wanted to run their own business. And now I'm starting to see a lot of folks that never intended it. They, they, they were going to, you know, go to school, get a good job and, and retire. And then something happened to the good job. And now they're focused on, well, how do I do this on my own? And so it'd be, it'd be really cool to address some of that. Very nice. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Where should I, where should I start? Wow. Uh, I'm not sure when I think back, I'm not sure I ever saw myself running a business, but it kind of all started in college with total frustration with my instructors because I would, I was pretty critical. There were a couple of guys uh, in my group that were Vietnam veterans. And I remember one morning when, when class you know, the old 10 minute rule, if the instructor doesn't show up in 10 minutes, you leave. Well, three of us were still sitting there and this was like 15 minutes. There's a huge snowstorm in upstate New York and we're sitting there and the guy walks in, he goes, wow, the three of you are still here. And we looked at each other and said, yeah, we're serious. And I realized kind of because I was also working uh, full-time while going to college that a lot of the stuff I was being taught wasn't really, didn't really work in the real world. And I had a lot of frustration with my instructors. And I always saw myself, I'm going to go out and get a lot of experience. Then I'm going to teach college. Yeah. And after getting a lot of experience, I decided teaching college wasn't what I really wanted to do because I had worked my way through uh, several different uh, business opportunities as well as jobs. And I just decided at that point in time, I was unemployable. I gave myself a label, unemployable. Unemployable. And I went through a couple of uh, entrepreneurial startups. And then I decided the best way I can help in this world is to continue offering my college teaching, if you will, on an entrepreneurial basis with my own business. That's how I got to where I am today. Sweet. I, it's amazing how parallel our two stories are. I was working two jobs and trying to go to community college and I didn't even have a car. And I was like bumming rides from people and in a blizzard got to school one night and um, I walk in as everybody's leaving and they're high-fiving each other and cheering and I, what, what's happening? And they go, well, they called it because of snow. Lucky us. It's a snow day, you know, like, like kids in grade school. And I thought I'm working two jobs, busting my hump to try and get an education here. I'm on chapter 12, the rest of the class is on chapter four, and the professor doesn't even show up for the class. I said, this is it. I can't, I can't do this. I, you know, I, I, evidently, in my particular case, I'm going to get more done on my own. You know? and, and now that I'm in my 50s and I look back on it, I think that was one of the 
most pivotal decisions for me because it was like, I'm not going to depend on other people. I, if, if it's going to happen, it's, it, I got to make it happen. And I got to find people I can put on my team to help me make it happen, whether that's right. mentors or, or, you know, one-on-one instruction or whatever. Exactly. And you're leading a happier life because of it. I'd like to think so. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little late in the game to go back and change our minds. But I, I, I remember vividly just that, that feeling of, um, it was like a feeling of betrayal. It was, I'm, I'm paying you to have a deliverable for me. And I couldn't understand all these I, kids, but they're adults, right? High-fiving each other and celebrating is that, I'm like, you already got the class. Like you already got here and they're telling you to go home and you're happy about it. There's something wrong. That's definitely something wrong because you're paying for the service. So I, I was I was at a loss. Not logically using critical thinking, nothing aligned for me in that environment, and so I had to pull myself from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can always go back and get a job, but a job, as I one of my friends reminds me all the time, just over broke. Just and, over broke. <laughs> J O B just over broke. And, uh, but I have no desire. I, I have absolutely no desire. To me, it's incredibly stifling to, to do that. And, and, and again, we're surrounding ourselves with those same kids that left your class. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, I, there's a guy that runs our Boy Scout troop in the area. And um, he is, he, he's pretty funny the way he phrases things. But, and, and he's paraphrasing somebody else. He never takes the credit for inventing a phrase, right? But he says, um, he says what's interesting about life is that um, all these A students end up working for the C students. Mm -hmm. You know, the C students go out and build businesses and, and, you know, pull up their bootstraps and make something happen. And the A students, they do a really great job of finishing school and getting that job, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the people that know why, the C's and D's, if you will, can always hire the people that know how. And our educational system is, is basically based on how, how to do this, how to do that. But the kid who drops out of school or goes out and just starts a business has learned real quick that if he's going to eat or she is going to get anything done, they, they have to figure out why. They're yeah, why. Yeah. And the educational system doesn't teach us why, it teaches us how. And until we get, I think the statistics are in an, a good MBA program takes you back to why. Well, other than that. Yeah. Yeah. You just leading in with that reminds me of, of Dan Dominguez is another friend that I've met through the LinkedIn process. And he's part of the Why Institute. And that's a big thing, you know, is like you, you got to drive people down to their their core, what makes them almost like a almost like a CVI score, right? Like, like how is somebody hardwired? What's their what's their driver? And then how are they gonna you know, there's the why they're going to take action, but then how do they make that happen? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a big magic. Yeah, before Ross Perot was Ross Perot, as we know him, uh, they when he was very, very successful, I think it was with EDS, they asked him what the best investment in the country was. And he said, what you do is you go to the ships in New York City, and you find an immigrant coming into this country that doesn't understand the English language has no money in his pockets and put everything he got behind him because that person's going to figure out why real quick. Yep. And they see nothing but opportunity. They figure out why they know why they're there. Yeah. And they see opportunity and they just make things happen. Yeah. Make it happen. And, and you got to put in the effort, you know, I'm really big on action. A lot of people have great ideas, 
and they might have that why part figured out but but you know john maxwell says leadership is influence nothing more nothing less and i always think to myself well what causes influence right well it's some type of action you take something mm -hmm. that you do creates that influence and builds that leadership that you know can amass you know bulk bulk activity yeah i think keeping our dream alive is critically important if the dream there's another saying if the dream is big enough the facts don't matter and if we can just keep our dream uh, alive I, I think oftentimes of arnold schwarzenegger i didn't mind doing 200 more sit-ups it got me that much closer to my goal yeah and he he's constantly talking about having a real clear vision and and most people don't have that or if they have it it's it, it's fleeting they don't keep it in front of them they don't keep reminding themselves sometimes every hour sometimes every 15 minutes you got to look up what why am i doing this and and stay focused on that then then we figured out the brain's incredible it is it is so bizarre that you mentioned arnold because when you were saying find an immigrant that was immediately who i thought of it was the guy got here he didn't have any money you know and he got out to venice beach if you ever saw any of the documentaries or stories you know next thing you know the guy's the governor of california and people see that part they go they go oh he was a famous actor he was the governor of california and it's like no 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 you missed all the work like people's all people are always around to look at the finished the guy on the podium and go oh he's lucky he won the race no he's not lucky he won the race it's all the, the training and the work and the practice and everything that got there mm -hmm. Yeah, there's another guy that comes to my mind right away too, and I forget his last name. His first name is Mark, and it, it doesn't come to me right now. But he was a um, British Special Forces guy, and some of the stories he's got a book out called Jump, and he um, got kicked out of the Eco Challenge that used to be a seven-day race, and his team totally disappeared. And they couldn't, they sent, they dispatched helicopters, go find the team and stuff. He was back in the United States. So he was forbidden from ever uh, creating or ever competing again. Somehow he bought the rights to Eco Challenge and, and put it on TV for a while, made a fortune, came to this country. And um, he is the brains behind the Survivor Series. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I forget his last name, but The Apprentice, Survivor, all that. Um, and I think he's married to Norma Downey now, um, but he, Mark, Mark, but his story is just incredible. And his book is titled Jump. And uh, it's fascinating because he talks about, you know, being a paratrooper with the British and you go to the door and jump, figure it out on the way down. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes you got to jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, every successful person says that. Now it's hard to do because we're terrified. You know, we yeah, look at yeah. that long ways down and think all the things that could go wrong but if we focus on all the things that are going to go right some, yeah. days, some days that's hard <laughs> well let's do the listeners a favor because i feel like we're giving them a flavor of our like our philosophies you and i chatting but you know who's ron gordon like like who are you what do you do um what value do you bring to a client relationship something like that and and give folks an idea of how they can find out more about you okay Let's see, during 2020, 21, uh, so my clients said some really cool things. I'll start with that. And I was uh, described as a silent partner uh, by one client who had a 400% growth in his business during the pandemic. And then another 
uh, one of my clients who was literally shut down for months. She was in the fitness business has gave me a really, really very cool review. And it just, to sum it all up says he'll never let you down. He's with you no matter what happens. And, and we experienced that. So who am I? Oh, wow. I think all the description descriptions I would like to attach myself. I'll just throw out a bunch of words here. An adventurer, um, an athlete, um, an educator, uh, someone really committed to other people's successes as well as my own. Uh, but I firmly believe in if I can help enough people get what they want, I will end up with what I want, which is Zig Ziglar's. Yeah. yeah. I see myself living to a hundred. I've already told my kids we're all going for a bike ride on my hundredth birthday. Uh, we can't decide if it's a two wheel, three or four wheel bike. <laughs> we It'll probably be downhill, although I, I want to keep the option for at least level ground open. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited about what I do. The value I think I bring to people is I'm pretty motivating, uh, pretty inspiring. Uh, when we're working together, uh, we, we, we talk about zero limits, maximum results. That's actually a short tagline on my, my logo uh, in my company is called Gordon Training Systems. And we have a couple divisions within there. Uh, one is six-figure trainers, where I help people specific to the fitness industry. And that's, uh, I think that's about, I'm a dad. I love that part. I have four children and uh, three grandchildren and three great-grandchildren, uh, including twin boys, my great-grandchildren. Wow. I, I told my mother once I wanted a twin brother. <laughs> she told me that it wasn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, I wanted it for my children, that didn't happen. Grandchildren, that didn't happen, but great-grandchildren. And my um, one of the things I liked a lot about that is I was able to take my great-grandson and introduce him to the trampoline and uh, doing things. And now he's competing as a gymnast. And oh, he, wow. says, he says, Grandpa, I, I'm taking over as a gymnast in the family. <laughs> and that's like, that's okay. And the backstory on that was I grew up uh, pretty athletic in high school and we didn't have a gymnastics team and I really wanted one. So I was a walk-on gymnast in college and never been on a gymnastics team before. My claim to fame was they didn't throw me off <laughs> the team. <Yeah. laughs> they threw some guys off, but not me. So that was my claim to fame, but that's a little bit about who I am. Nice. Nice. The fitness thing always catches my attention. I think because my own athletic pathway came with so many uh, waves up and down. Like, like I loved playing soccer, but as a elementary school kid, I didn't get to pursue that. And then our high school said, Oh, we're going to start a soccer team. So I was on the very first soccer team that my high school had. But when I signed up for that team, I was a little on the pudgy side, couldn't run real good. They put me back on defense and that's fine. I've, I, I ended up playing semi-pro soccer till I was 29 years old and I loved playing right fullback. I'm like a brick wall back there. But I remember that was sophomore year when we launched the soccer team and we lost every game we signed up for. It was, it was not a pretty sight. And I wasn't pretty at playing either. I mean, I could play 90 minutes of ball, but I wasn't fit. The summer between sophomore and junior year, I got a girlfriend that lives six miles away. So I worked at a pizza shop at night and I would jog to her house and sit by the pool with her for a couple of hours, jog home, and then go back to work at the pizza shop. So here I am for the whole summer running 12 miles a day. 
So the first practice of junior year that we used to run from the school to the soccer field, which was, a, it was about two, two and a half miles. And I used to, the earlier year was like, I'd, I'd run for a block and then I'd walk and meet everybody, you know, 20 minutes after practice started. First practice junior year, I took off running and I'm standing at the field and nobody's there, you know? And it was just that, that difference, that confidence level that came from that level of fitness at that moment was like, I get it. Like there was mm -hmm. the, like at that moment, there was a switch that went off. I was always good at riding bikes and I, in the neighborhood, we'd always ride bikes everywhere and deliver newspapers and stuff. But there was, there was something about being the absolute worst athlete on a team on a really bad team to moving to a mediocre team and being one of the best athletes on the field. Mm -hmm. And it was like the confidence level and the way that I presented myself, the way I spoke to people, everything was different. Everything changed. Right. And when I was working as a corporate trainer for Ducati in my 40s, I got really fat, almost 280 pounds, flying, restaurant food, you know, rental cars, all of that. And after a couple of years of that, I realized I can't really sit on an airplane and be comfortable. And that was a problem for me. So me and my wife did a fat camp. I dropped about 60 pounds. I pulled the bicycle back out of the garage. And for the last four years, uh, I like red meat, wine, beer. And if I'm going to consume that stuff, I got to burn it. And so I bicycle 60, 75 miles a week. And um, again, it's that going from that heavy sedentary person that was ineffective to someone that has high metabolism, energy, you know, a body awareness, it, it's really made a difference in, in how life operates. And so I, I truly believe that your physical fitness leads to fiscal fitness. And I try to have a message about that, but it's, it's difficult. And when you talked about your fitness journey earlier, when you and I had spoken, it really lit up a bunch of synapses in my brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many good things about what you just described. I mean, you had a dream. Your dream. <laughs> At first, I was gonna, I thought you were leading to, well, I had my wife move six miles away. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my wife move six miles away. Yeah, I got that's, shape. That's a good plan. That's a good plan. But the power of the dream, the power of your dream, you know, the way you transform that was going, was through the fitness and the surprising offshoot was how that all improved your life. So yes, the dream got you in better shape and the, and the better shape just transfers to everything. No question about it. It's a matter I, of life and death. I know you're from the East Coast and I'm from the East Coast. I was raised outside of Philadelphia. And in my little town, uh, most of the dads, at least in my circle, most of the dads weren't home after work. Most of the dads were at the VFW or a place called the Elbow Room, slamming a couple of beers after a shift. And I think back to when I was a kid and everybody's dad was 45 to 50 years old. And like when we would get skateboards or bicycles or whatever, and how many fathers would try to do something and get hurt, you know, crash a bicycle in the street and be hurt, be injured, be whatever. And now I look at my own walk, my own journey, and I compare it to other kids I grew up with. And I go, all of us from this generation to that generation in again, only in my circles that I'm talking about, it's wholesale change, absolute mm -hmm. wholesale change. Um, most of the men that I knew growing up don't live anymore. They're, they're all passed away, you know, and here I am, I'm probably the healthiest I've ever been. And I'm 55 years old this year. Mm -hmm. 
it's 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 really remarkable and i don't know how to you deal with this all the time so i guess that's why i'm bringing it up and why i'm curious how do you promote a fitness message as a as a lifestyle change or benefit to tell a lot of folks that you deal with yeah i and mostly at this point in my life i'm i've transferred into working on the business side of things uh but yeah. to yeah. to back up a few years ago the it was a lot of modeling, honestly. Uh, I would be in a situation where I owned some gyms. I started a CrossFit gym. I had a, a bicycle riding center. And I, because of my commitment and discipline to working out, I was able to still jump in there with the 20-year-olds. Now I'm not going to beat them. That's not, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But I earned, a, I earned a lot of respect because I could hold my own. And I heard all the time, when I'm your age, I want to be like you. And so... I, that starts it in terms of that. Uh, we also had a, I had a trailer and this is kind of funny. My target market was actually older people. I've trained all kinds of athletes for Ironman competitions, uh, D1 scholarships for high school rowers. I've done all that, but the sweet spot for me was taking people who really didn't see a future and showing them how they could change their life. Average age in my gym was 42 years old. Nice. And we had a, a sign on my trailer that we would take the events that says improving human performance for your first 100 years. Well, these guys would go out and they were average 42 and they'd compete with people that could be their kids and they, they held their own. They'd come back and say, can we change that sign, you know, for improving human performance for your last 40 years? <laughs> your last 40 years. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I mean, they had uh, fun. Who you hang around with is critically important. We created, because it was a small gym type of atmosphere all, all across the board, uh, no matter what program, they were with their companions. They were with their equals. And everybody there was committed to improving their lifestyle. And that, that just gained so much momentum so fast. So I'm always telling people, you know, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, if you can't find the right program, at least hang around with the people right who people. are successfully fit perhaps a little more fit but they are accommodating and will bring you in and encourage you that goes so far yeah and and it's just we're the average of five people we hang around in any given area if we want to improve our finances look at the five people we're around upgrade want to improve our fitness look at the five people upgrade and sometimes you 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 pay for that. And sometimes it's organic. It's it's all how you how you structure your life. We yeah. are as much as we're individuals. We're also a tribe. We're a group, and we we do much better in a group. Even if I'm living out here in the desert, we form little groups, and it's a three o'clock town hall meeting in one group every day at three o'clock. People come out and sit around the, the fire. Um, sometimes there's a fire in the afternoon, usually, if the wind is not too bad. If the wind is not too bad. The wind is not too bad. The community aspect is, is really, really big. Um, I'm thinking about the different learning projects or like speaker, author, coach groups that I've been a member of, or um, I mean, just Grant Cardone's 100X program, you know, it's just, it's just this giant thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Um, but sometimes I find that when those communities get, I'll use the term oversized, right? Because to me, they're oversized. It, it's like you feel like you get lost in the mix or that the, 
the value of association can get watered down if it gets too big. What, what do you think are some, some maybe target goals on, on community building or how you look at, at building community with the, the groups you work with? Well, if I were to go back to my previous gym environment, the, the number, and I've had, I've been parts of gyms where we have 3,000 members, YMCA director with a couple thousand members, small gym, bicycle training, triathlon training. The magic number is 150. We can maintain 150 relationships, but I find even at that we're stretched. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. hard to do. So I always kept my organizations. I, I preferred smaller organizations. The big ones, you know, you end up with a general manager and you end up with other people and you can have subsets of 150 people. But for the small gym, the magic number seems to be around 150 people. And from what I've seen that that's about it. So it's kind of like the high school. You know, the, the, the number, at least a few years ago, they did a lot of research when I was CEO and principal of Montessori school. I remember reading an article, the ideal high school size is 750 students. And if you have 4,000, 10,000 students, which is very common, if you want to play basketball and you're not seven feet tall, yeah, you're not going to play. If you have a, a high school, 750 students, you want to play basketball, you can fog a mirror, you're going to start probably in the center <laughs> and and what happens there is leadership is built is built because you 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 have to it's a small pond so everybody's leadership has to be developed so yeah. in that situation and given a choice where i'd put my kids in school it's a small school uh, just so that they they can exercise that leadership and develop have a chance to flourish yeah i remember the difference in moving from northern california to southern california um we used to live kind of in the like big basin national park area in between santa cruz and san jose and mm -hmm. my son played baseball and it was like a bunch of dads hanging out at the park you know little flip up igloo coolers with beer in them and uh you know watching the kids play and just having a good time you know and then we moved down to southern california and Hayden had thoughts that maybe he would want to play, you know, baseball for the school. And we got him into the neighborhood team and dads were showing up and having like pitching practice with their 10 year old, like their scouts at the field or something. You know, it was just like, it was lunacy for me. Anyway, I know that a lot of people are into this, but for, for our family and our, our commitment to that level of organized athletics, it just, it was out of our scope. And, and, and Hayden, my son, he was already at like second grade, third grade. And the, the kids he was playing with had been playing like serious ball for three years already. Right. It was, uh, they had uh, clinic coaches come in and work with them on how to stretch, how to run. How to, I was like, they're in second and third grade, man. Let them enjoy the game. Um, my daughter wanted to try out for soccer and same thing, uh, but at, she's older. So it was that much further behind. And I can remember school being the place where you'd get to try things. You know, hey, I think I'll try the saxophone. I think I'll try the guitar. I think I'll try soccer. And you would, you would try things and find out through experience what resonated with you as a person. But at these bigger schools down here, it's too late. If, if you want to try something or experiment with something, you're already too late. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So interesting. My goodness. I'm enjoying this conversation. Even, even if we lose the listeners along the way, I'm enjoying the crud out of it. Um, Me too. 
tell me about like today. Let's say that you're in the market for a new client today. Who's like a good avatar for you or a good target acquisition? Really good question. I would say someone who is in business, it doesn't have to be the fitness business, although I have a lot of experience there. I also have a tremendous amount of experience in any small business, largely from a perspective of being a business broker for a while, where I would find buyers and I would find sellers of business. So I get to really see what it is to have a business that's marketable if you will. And in, of course, that's something with the cash flow that the owner can walk away from. Yeah. That's yeah. where, that's where we all want to be, no matter where we are in our business. So my, my forte is helping people get to that permanent profitability place where they can, they can still go to work, but to be able to choose whether or not to go to work. A lot of people start businesses, especially in today's world. You mentioned this at the beginning. They didn't want to really be there. So they start the business and it ends up being a job. Yep. And sometimes when we're in business for ourselves, our boss is the worst boss we've ever had um, because it's us. And yeah. so taking people from having a, a job or a hobby, if you will, with some income into a legit business, that's what I specialize in. And, and that usually starts with, two things, personal development and marketing. Those are the two things that people we need to work with uh, right off the bat. And because we all have a lot of garbage about our personal lives and what's possible. And then suddenly we've got this business, it's consuming us. And then we think, okay, what is possible? And I help people dislodge that thinking and go to the next level. And I do that through um, teaching, mentoring, and it's an interesting thing because the consultant comes to you with all kinds of best practices. We do this, do this, do this. Yeah. A coach comes to you. You can do this. We'll draw it out of you. And a mentor is right smack down the middle. Sometimes they're a consultant. Sometimes they're a coach. But like I said earlier, I'm the silent partner right there with them as they go through all the aha moments. That's what yeah, I love yeah. in life is the aha moment. If it's a fitness thing, that's great. If if it's a business thing, it's equally as good at this point in my life. So boy, I'm really traveling here on your question. It's a business person, probably in their 45 to 60 category. They may be thinking about what's next with their life, what's next with their business. That's where I, I can make the biggest impact. And, it, and occasionally it's a 20 somethings. If they're hungry and they want to learn. Yeah. Finding a 20-something that's hungry and wants to learn is a challenge, but I'm finding that when you find that that rare person, when you find that unicorn, man, they can be a powerhouse to be reckoned with. They can accomplish a lot because they have that that energy level that, you know, it, it, it's like it's it's like if you find a puppy that listens to commands, right? It's like, oh my goodness, you know, where can I go with this? Right. Um, your conversation that you were just having reminded me of it wasn't even a paying customer. It was like a friend. So I have an older friend. Uh, he had a business that he had started decades ago and it was fairly stable, but it was kind of curtailing off a little bit and everything's paid for. Every, everything's owned, nothing's financed, money's in the bank. And I didn't realize this about this person because he was a friend of mine, but he finally confided in me and he said, 
you know, I just, I'm struggling. I'm, I, I'm, I get depressed. I like, I have to work this thing all the time. It's like six days a week. I just want to retire. He goes, I always said when I got money to a certain level in the bank, I was just going to retire. And he goes, so I have a hard time with it. He goes, part of me wants to sell it. And the other part of me is just so frustrated. I just want to put a key in the door, lock it and walk away. He said, my problem is the guilt with the jobs that are there, the people that work for me, I want to take care of them and stuff. And I said, hey, hey, hold on. You know, I, I kind of do this for motorcycle dealerships. Let me come take a look. And so I went to his business and I, and I looked at their processes. I looked at like location of like where shipping and receiving was and where the tables were and missteps. And I mean, all that. I spent two days there. I wrote him a, a proposal. I said, this is what I would do if it was my business. I said, my goal is to get you to not work six days a week. Within six months, I only want you to go in Friday morning for half a day and go over a one-page financial summary with this person that we're going to make your operating manager. And he was like, ah, oh, he's so young. He's so, but he's that unicorn I just talked about. Mm -hmm. So we promoted the guy. We made a few changes structurally to the business. COVID happened right after that. And their business shot up because their, their business was actually in demand during the, the pandemic. And this old dude is working half a day a week. <laughs> he's going camping. He's going, you know, he, he has a cabin in the mountains. He eats. And, and every now and then we have a conversation and he's like, I can't believe I would have put a key in the door and walked away from this. And it's better than it's ever been. It's better than I ever knew it could have been. Right. You know, and it's sometimes no matter how good of a business person you are, no matter how many books you read, no matter how smart you are, sometimes you just need that fresh set of eyes to come in and go, have you thought about going this way, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I can see how you could drive a lot of value to people like that. Oh yeah. That's a great example. You're doing good work because that person has a whole new outlook on life now. That part is super, super rewarding. And I'm just going to be super transparent now. It's like, that was a buddy that I helped out. Right. What right. I need to do is make that a case study and then turn that into, this is a service I'll offer any business for, a percentage of financial gains or, you know, pay for performance example, or, you know, a $10,000 coaching fee or however you phrase that. But it's right. the hard thing in life is always like you, you take those successes and then you go, okay, how do I monetize that? And quite honestly, you have to ask yourself, am I justified to monetize that? Like, is, is that really something I can, is that duplicable? And is it ethical to, to run that on a series of people? Exactly. And earlier in this conversation, we talked about that whole mental piece. And those yeah. are those are exactly the questions that we have to struggle with when we're, we're helping someone go to the next level. We struggle with them ourselves, too. No matter what level we're at, that's one of the things I, I learned a long, long time ago. And I trained a lot of CEOs for a while in my business. And the CEOs, they, they struggle with it, too. We look at them and we think, oh, it's all together. Everything's all set. Yeah. 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 They got mentors. They got everybody. And, and so, yes, excellent point, but you can do it. I'm here to encourage you. Go do it. Just put Go it up it. there. Just put it up there and see what happens. You got a case study. That's, that's a huge part of it. And this guy's going to give you an awesome testimonial and review. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's such good stuff. It's um, you think about all the relationships that, you know, you're gifted or, or that you gain along the way in a lifetime. And it's only been recently that I've been able to look back and go, that's the value that person added to me. That's the value I was, you know, 
gifted to be able to add to someone else. That's the, and you look back at that and you go, wow, you know, it, it's really amazing how coming together with other people, like you said, having, having team right, or a tribe makes things a reality as opposed to trying to forge forward on your own all the time. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, good, good we're, stuff. We're the average of the five people we hang around. We get around the right five and we cannot help ourselves. <laughs> we are going there. <laughs> well, I, I want to honor your time and I'm so thankful that you agreed to join me on the show. Um, if folks want to follow up with you about possible coaching or mentoring and growing their business, Ron, what's, what's your favorite way to be gotten in touch with? Right now, it would be email, which would be rg at sixfiguretrainers.com. And I know we're going to put that down yeah. below, but that's, right the, the yeah, that's the best way to get in touch with me. And uh, we are in a complete state of transition. As soon as the websites are up, we'll add those also. Um, you know, things happen, I guess, for a reason. We had all kinds of website problems and we we're trying to solve them, trying to solve them. And finally, I said, you know what? This is a sign. We just need to revamp everything. And all of a sudden the energy came up. It's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so, but we're right in the middle of that right now. So that's the best way uh, to get in touch with me. That's phenomenal. Um, if somebody's new to business, brand new, like, like they just left a corporate position, middle management, ran the marketing department somewhere, ran the, the PR department. Um, they come to you, what, what's one of the first things you start to look at as someone that's new to business? Well, usually, and I have this available also, I always sit down with people and have a half, half an hour conversation with them. And I, what I'm looking for is, do they have the, the dream? Do they have the desire to be reasonably successful in business? And, and there's a whole series. I used to have a checklist of things we'd go through. And every one of those becomes a conversation. Uh, but if, if people, whether they find themselves involuntarily looking um, or they just are at a point in life where they got a lot of energy left and, hey, I've got this hobby or I've always wanted to try something. If the dream is big enough and it can be just a little kernel of a dream, but if it's there, if it's in the back of their mind, if it's coming forward, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. At the end of the day, they may or may not do something with it. But those that are really ready, I mean, they'll do something. It doesn't have to be extravagant. We're not talking about building another Microsoft. Or, yeah. But how, how can we make an impact on the world? Because that's really important as we move ahead. And there's nothing better, nothing better than a business. See, and here I thought I was pitching you this awesome softball where you would just say, hey, I've got a five-day training course coming up, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Kurt. Well, I do. As a matter of fact, I have a five-day training course coming up. It's called Mentoring and Marketing Bootcamp Challenge, and it starts April 4th. And what we're going to do is five days of mentoring, the same types of stuff I give my VIPs. Uh, the price is really, really reduced. It's a, it's a really good price, but there's five days of really building the basics of, of a marketing program. And, and we cover so much stuff. It's awesome. And that nice. starts um, April 4th. Excellent. I know that uh, Ron's going to forward me a link to that. Folks, If whether you follow me uh, on Manana Nomas channels or you come back to look at the replay of this podcast, we'll have a link in the description if you want to join that. And if it's after that, that, that challenge or five-day session, I'm sure that Ron will have something to follow that up with too. So uh, make sure you follow up with Ron. Uh, get in touch with him, get on his list, and make sure that you stay informed. 
Uh, Ron, I want to thank you so much. I know that the viewers got some value out of our session today. And uh, with that, folks, I, I think it's time to say goodbye. Thanks, Kurt. It's been awesome. Uh, no worries, man. I loved Take having care. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.